Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It's time for another episode of the Lost Treasures podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe and follow along on our website to see the latest developments in Adam's quest for gold treasures and all sorts of things that we're finding out there, including lots of knowledge. And I want to tell you, there is a really fascinating story from just July 9th about uh, some gold that was found in a cornfield in Kentucky. Adam, what do you know about it? Um, It came out last, I think it was about two weeks ago, July 9th or something like that. And uh, it looks like he found a bunch of Confederate coins, but they didn't give any idea on who found it, where they found it. Um, It sounds like he's uh, keeping all of his information pretty quiet. But it sounds like it was about 700 different coins um, some that were very rare, um, super interesting in my opinion. And it was, uh, right after we got done talking with Greg that day, I think. Well, I think it's fascinating. And according to the New York times, the discovery apparently confirms a long held belief by treasure hunters that Southerners buried valuables before and during the civil war to protect them from invading armies and looters And of course, as we know from talking to Greg Hand, the preeminent scholar uh, who joined us last time, uh, you know, banks were not uh, as they are today. So folks were uh, burying things quite frequently, in fact, in the past, because uh, banks had their own currency and it just wasn't so easy to get coinage and things like that. Uh, So they were issuing currency um, on their own and then uh, as we, we talked about with uh, the things that were going on in Cincinnati, which, by the way, since we're mentioning Greg, I want to mention uh, Cincinnati Curiosities, healing powers of the Wamsley Madstone, nocturnal exploits of Old Man Dead, Mazeppa's Naked Ride, and more. This Great is book. the book by Greg Hand. and Super it was, good. Yeah, by uh, History Press, and it was published first in 2022. So it's it's still relatively fresh off the presses. And uh, Greg Hand, thank you so much for joining us last time. Definitely. We're, we're definitely fans of you and this book. Uh, it's, I mean, it is pretty fascinating. Yes. And, you know, when he mentioned uh, the mound, the Indian mound that was in downtown Cincinnati, there is a map of it in his book, yeah. which is just so It's pretty cool. cool. Yep. So treasure, it's out there. And um, while we're on the subject of Greg... Adam, he had some rough news for you. Um, <laughs> it's not too rough. I mean, uh, Greg's taken his knowledge that he's gained over the years. Um, I have not shown him everything that I have also. But, but I, in in particular, with, with regard to the legend of Fat Nick, he kind of debunks the legend, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. Now, it doesn't say that, uh, that you didn't find something, because you definitely did, but... Certainly the indications that we had on our very first episode where we were talking about the legend of Fatnik, and and I'll just refer to it as a legend now because it it sort of seems like Greg went through and went down a real rabbit hole. And uh, if I could quote some of his email, he said, Adam, after our chat yesterday, I went home and reviewed the measure, my buried treasure files. In particular, I revisited the material I collected regarding the so-called pirate treasure in Eden Park. 
I spent several hours down, down that rabbit hole, attempting to reconstruct why I had not included this fascinating tale among my reports of buried treasures in Cincinnati. And sadly, I found the answer. And I believe the tale of pirate treasure and the story of Nasty Nick, Fat Nicholas of Hispaniola, and especially Nicholas de la Le Pontemain are pure, unadulterated, grade-A bunkum, poppycock, and horsepucky. In other words, a hoax. And then he goes on to review the evidence. My gosh, this Greg is quite the writer. But I think that what he's saying, other than, you know, that Nick is poppycock, but that there, there may be other reasons why uh, there are buried things in Mount Adams uh, and in the uh, so-called Garden of Eden or Eden Park. Mm-hmm. But he thinks that Fat Nick is not one of those reasons. Yeah, and uh, I, I completely... First of all, I was super happy that, you know, Greg sent that because his research, like I told you uh, today, John, was impressive and thorough. Um, And so I take that just as more information. And so, like I told you, you know, months ago, I already kind of have an idea. I'm not 100%, but am I 98% of what I found? Yes, I am. And so I appreciated everything that Greg said. And I just take it as, you know, just another thing to keep the journey going. Well, I think it's awesome. I think for me, as a as a podcaster and as a storyteller, uh, the the idea that there are pirates on the river is is awesome, and certainly opens up the mind to all sorts of fantastic uh, ideas and thoughts about history. But the reality may be even more fascinating. Mm-hmm. And given what we learned last time about uh, Nicholas Longworth and his forgetfulness and um, his uh, penchant for burying things around his property and always being in that area. I mean, it was his garden. Exactly right. And so yeah, I, I think that's part of it. And then there's another tale about a man named Martin Baum who potentially hid stuff out there too. And you know, the nice thing about what Greg does is he he gave us a lot of different stories with a lot of potential. So fascinating. Yep. Yeah. It, it's really great to have somebody like Greg visit us, and uh, he's going to be back on too. So. Yeah. That. I'm, I'm super pumped about that, but I, I also want to know, so where are we with the hunt for your, uh, first hunt here on, on air, so to speak? So it's a great question, John. Um, so right now, without giving away too much information, uh, we're from our very first episode that we did, uh, the GPR, uh, got confirmed at three of four different locations. And so now we're at the place where uh, we have to pull one more permit for the uh, excavation of uh, actually at, just at those designated areas is where we're going to start. And so I'm working through the proposal side of that, but we're still waiting on um, to hear back from the city of Cincinnati as far as some of the sensitive information that me and you have been talking about and Shane. Now, when you and I went and visited uh, Dr. Robert, uh, he, uh, I'm Dr. For, Cook. Yes, Dr. Robert Cook. Yep. <laughs> yes, I was, I was blanking on his last name. I like to say Dr. Robert because of the Beatles song. So if anyone who's listening, I just love the Beatles. Uh, and I, I love the, I actually, I love, there's this wonderful uh, Raisins cover. Uh, there's Cincinnati band from, from the 80s. Uh, they were on public television at one point. Uh, and they did this amazing cover of Dr. Robert. So you'll have to look it up. It's on YouTube. Uh, but, Having said that, Dr. Robert Cook from OSU, we talked to him and we went and visited uh, one of his sites. And I'm wondering, is Gray and Pape going to do uh, that type of excavation? It's a great question. Um, And so what I talked to Cinder about, uh, there's two different routes 
that you can go. And so it's either a faster, quicker route excavation wise. I know some exact depths of where things are located. So um, I gave her that information or there's a more detailed something that you would see on the G, uh, Nat Geo or something or Discovery Channel where it's a four by six grid. They use a hand trowel and they go, you know, kind of inch by inch until they hit something. That's kind of what me and you when we were out there, John, what we saw, they had what, two to three different plots going on and somewhere between what, four and six people working on those at, at a time. Um, so it's going to be, you know, it's kind of in the city's hands, uh, but at the same time, like I'm pushing forward uh, with a faster excavation. So when we were out there, we saw that they were basically taking it out by hand in small yes. buckets yep. that were like dug with trowels and then poured over essentially a sieve. Yep. Uh, and then they would go through all of the material and a lot of it was just clay. A lot of right. it was just, you know, dug up dirt, but, mm -hmm. but they were looking for any discolorations and uh, specifically looking for things they could radiocarbon date. Yes. That kind of stuff. Uh, do you envision radiocarbon dating the things that you find? I will take whatever cinder recommends, but that was one thing that we'd already discussed. Like, I would like to have these things uh, documented and then tested to see, you know, age. And I love the science side. Like, we need to know how old it is. Um, and so that was part of it. Like, we've kind of had these discussions already. And yes, I definitely want stuff tested to see how old it is, for sure. Have you ever thought about the coincidence between cinder, her first name, and we're talking about things that are burnt, yes. radiocarbon dated. I, I mean, won't, I won't tell her that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she might listen to this podcast. Yeah. She is going to. She's going to be on invited. here. She'll probably yeah. listen to it. <laughs> so, all right, we love you, Cinder. Thank you very Not much. Not being and, mean. Uh, uh, yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for uh, putting up with my my uh, strange coincidence of mind. But um, anyway, I wanted to also mention that uh, since you and I last spoke. I watched two different movies that I thought were really fascinating. Number one uh, was the, uh, and I believe it's on, I believe it's on Netflix. It, it's on one of the streaming. Uh, it's it's a movie about the lost uh, site of Saqqara, uh, the oh the Egypt Egypt tombs mm -hmm. and all of the mummies. I that have not finding. seen that yet, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely fascinating, amazing, and just going in there and they're looking at things you know, on camera that like no human has seen for 4,000 years. Just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. But some of the things that they talked about um, in particular, when they were digging, they were, they were seeing things like, okay, they know that if, um, if there's a lot of dirt in the, in the shaft, then it's probably been disturbed. But if it's like large rocks and things from like fill uh, that it, that, they they know like as they're going down the shaft that it's yep. not been disturbed. Yep, it so. hasn't been looted pretty much. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that I think they find in different parts of Egypt and especially in that Saqqara area is uh, a lot of the stuff has been looted. Um, but when they get something that's very unique like that, and I think that's why you know they took this as part of a Netflix documentary because it's very unique. Yeah, and they I'm not going to give any spoilers, but they did find some things that um, that were really quite special and unique and uh, happened to capture it just in from one season of, of digging. And as we know from Dr. Cook, that they could walk away, you know, with 20,000 artifacts yep. from just a site here in Ohio mm -hmm. uh, with, in a season. Mm -hmm. uh, now our, our digging season, I think here is a lot shorter than they have out there. They're limited by 
uh, the weather and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas we're limited by uh, funding, school year, permits, uh, permits. winter. Yeah. <laughs> Things, right. Not terrible winter. You know, it's yeah. not like an Iowa winter, but you know, it can get bad. Yeah. Um, the other one, though, I want the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, and this is the other movie that I saw. It's called Woman in Gold. It's a 2015 movie about uh, a painting that was uh, lost to the Blockbauer uh, family and and Maria Altman, uh, and she sued to recover this painting of her aunt that was taken off the walls of her home uh, when she was a young woman escaping uh, from Austria, escaping the influx of Nazi Germany uh, and uh, the the literal looting of their homes that was going on mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, just thought that was another fascinating spin on the lost treasure thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, it's, it's governmental action or, you know, war, or, uh, things like that that, I mean, as we saw with Nazi Germany, lots of things were looted. Yes, but. that's not the only story of, you know, them taking things also. There's stories of Nazi lost gold like we were talking about today. Yeah, fascinating. Um, so I know that we're not talking about lost uh, Nazi gold here in Eden Park, or at least it's unlikely. But um, what, do you, what do you think, uh, you know, you're, we, we did listen to the metal detector. I mean, it, right. it definitely pointed to some precious metals. So and that wasn't the only metal detector also. Yeah. So four different metal detectors gave tones at that exact same site. And if I was going to, you know, based on what I looked at in my video and I'm able to see things in a macro view too, I'm not just looking at things in a very specific small area. And that's what people don't understand. Like I didn't just figure out how to go where somewhere out there. I knew where to go already. Um, so I believe I found something very, very old. I think that's fascinating. I want to take a moment just to pause for station identification, and we will be right back. Well, all right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with Adam Means. I'm John Scheel. I am your podcast host, serial entrepreneur extraordinaire, and welcome to what is another exciting episode. We're talking about all sorts of stuff today, lost treasures of all types, from Nazi looted gold uh, to paintings that were taken off the walls in Austria to uh, things found in Egypt. And uh, we want to issue a call for all of you. If you want to contact us and talk about some things that you may have found, we want to know what kind of tools you're using, where you go, how often you go out and do it. Uh, certainly, we want you to be a part of the Lost Treasures community. Tell and, us your story. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. If you've got something really fascinating, we'd love to have you on an episode and um, tell us what you found, where you found it, and a little about it. We're uh, very interested in these stories, and uh, you know we're sending out invitations right now all across the board. We're certainly reaching out to some archaeologists, but we're also going to be reaching out to some folks uh, in Pennsylvania who looked for some things, some folks in Kentucky, and uh, certainly Adam's journey is not uh, ending uh, with just the Eden Park. Uh, Adam, what's next on your list of things to go out and look for? 
wonderful question because I've been itching to do something else now. <laughs> um, so this process has been going on for a little over a year now. Um, but my next focus, uh, which I've kind of told you and Shane, um, is the 1755 lost payroll uh, in Northeast Ohio. So that's my next. Oh my gosh. Tell us a little bit of the, about the backstory. Of that. Awesome. So it has to do with the uh, French army and uh, they were actually uh, running from the British. And so I think I've found somewhere between like seven and 10 different stories that kind of give bits and pieces, um, couple in books, a uh, couple on the internet. Um, the cool thing is that from where, you know, the supposed uh, lost payroll is located, it's like 50 miles from Pittsburgh. So this treasure went down as a, a couple different names. So is the Fort Duquesne payroll, right? So Fort Duquesne was where the French army was positioned at that time. And this is around 1755. Um, and so as they're fleeing and going pretty much on 30 east, 30 west, um, which is the Tuscarawas Trail. Up well, there. I'm going to stop you right here because you're <laughs> you're going to lead people right down. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly there's going to be a traffic jam. Good luck um, finding it is all I'll say. <laughs> I guess but it's been around since 1755. It's so. okay. It's <laughs> the safest probably... place it'll be is in the ground. So, <laughs> um, But honestly, you know, there's it's such a hilly terrain. Um, there's plenty of markers and all this information I'm giving like anybody can look for. You just, you have to look for it, but that is my next, uh, that'll be number two on my list. So I guess we won't be causing a traffic jam, uh, on 30 East. Not so much. No. Okay. All right. Well, so what's the story though? You think that, uh, French soldiers were leaving a fort and being chased by the British and uh, yeah. And so they had somewhere between 10 to 16 different pack horses, um, had everything that they had at Fort Duquesne and they were, uh, going West. And so the British army actually caught up to them. And so of those 10 soldiers that had all that, uh, eight of them died. Oh my gosh. And so it wasn't something where they were uh, necessarily planning. It was more of a, let's hide this as fast as possible so it doesn't get into the hands of the uh, British Army. And so I believe it was more of a necessity thing to hide. Uh, but at the same time, there's plenty of evidence, always going back somewhere to like 1851, of people still looking for this. So 1755 is really before the Revolutionary War. So mm -hmm. walk me through... What... Somewhere in that French-Indian War range. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Walk me through what, what geopolitical things were going on. So obviously we had British colonists. Yep. We had French colonists. Yep. American Indians also were involved in that too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a lot of, you know, you get a lot of exchanging of gold and silver. I think that gold and silver, you know, a good bit of the silver was from the American Indians. There's stories of uh, American Indians in this area uh, especially down in the southwest side, um, there's mines, silver mines. And so that's another story that I kind of looked into too. Interesting. Um, well, I, I'm I'm fascinated to know more about the involvement of, of the Native Americans. I, I did want to point out that since we've begun this podcast, there is that Native site in Oregon, which we talked about off, yeah. off the air, mm -hmm. uh, where they're finding evidence of uh, Native settlements uh, that could be as old as 18,000 years old, yeah. which is just fascinating. It just really pushes the boundary of science uh, yeah. and knowledge of, of um, I guess, global migration of humanity, uh, yep. so to speak. Kind of goes back to, you know, what we talked about in the very first episode. 
Um, we don't have a huge handle on what happened in our previous history. I, I just, there's just a lot of holes. And so this is just another, you know, and I sent that to you right away, John. I was like, oh, this is cool. So, well, I think it's fascinating because Greg Hand said the same thing, you know, when talking about the city of Cincinnati, even in more modern era, um, I think he said like prior to, to 1920, it was just a completely different place. Yes. And people who live here in 2020 don't have any idea what was going on a hundred years ago no. in their very own city where they've no. grown up, no. um, which is, which is sort of good and bad. I think maybe, uh, in my experience, uh, European nations with much longer history, um, know a little bit more about, yes. uh, their, their history. Whereas in America, we're, we're still such a young country that even, you know, documenting our first 200 years is somewhat of a challenge. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, you have to look, but we're consistently bombarded by different things during the day too. So it's, comes back to time. How much time do you have to look for this stuff? Yeah. So that's part of it. Like you got to either devote time to it or you're, you're really not going to find out anything. Well, modern American culture, I don't know, get, you know, gives us a whole lot of, of encouragement to uh, pursue things like this, which is one of the reasons why I'm really excited to be a part of the Lost Treasures podcast. Uh, but, you know, I, I do hope that things like the uh, resurgence of Indiana Jones and his latest movie uh, does point to, you know, archaeology is a really fascinating thing. And Definitely. The layers of history that are underneath our feet um, as Greg pointed out, you know, there are cemeteries buried uh, underneath buildings mm -hmm. all over the place. And, mm -hmm. uh, and certainly Cincinnati is not unique in that. Um, but it's, I think, fascinating. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I hope we accomplish in discussing all this stuff is inviting folks to learn a little bit more about their world and yeah. the past. And at least question what they uh, think they know about the past and then maybe go look for it. Yeah. Everybody's and, got a library they have access to. Well, and lost treasures uh, are not just a gold and silver, but also no. knowledge and history and stories of the past. And um, like when we were talking with Dr. Cook, you know, a treasure to him is a piece of burnt uh, wood or something, you know, so that they can carbon date. Like that's something way more important to him. Um, and another like thing I thought was interesting about what he told us about that Turpin site is they actually did find gold and silver and pearls. Uh, but I believe uh, Harvard Museum had a little bit to do with that too, taking those items. And those that back then was far more important than the other stuff, the burnt remnants and things like that. Yeah, well, of course, technology evolves and we're learning so much more uh, with the advent of radiocarbon dating. Definitely. Um, but it is, it is really fascinating. And our history uh, on this continent and all around the world, uh, just fascinating. Every day you see new stories of things that are popping up. I know. Uh, Roman cool. coins and uh, just all sorts of things that, you know, were lost at one point and found again. So we hope that you are finding things and uh, that you're not lost. Uh, but if you are, that we that you're found again. Um, we're going to take another quick pause and we'll be right back with the Lost Treasures podcast.
right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm your audio engineer, John Scheel, with my co-host, Adam Means. We are here talking about all sorts of lost treasures, and Adam and I were talking on the break uh, about how he is from Iowa, and I just happened to see a couple of stories from the news about some lost treasures in Iowa, so I want to bring them up and get your take on them, Adam. So there was, according to legend, there's a massive amount of loot to be had near Sioux City, Iowa. Now, I know you're from the other side of the state, but did you ever hear a rumor about the north North of the Ohio Iowa River, excuse me, Iowa River, near the town of Burris in Louisa County, there's a massive amount of loot to be had. Um, pirate treasure, according to legend, and then of course there's the Jesse James treasure, over thirty-five thousand dollars in yep. gold coins, thought to be buried by the James gang somewhere in Pottawatomie County, on a farm near Weston in. Uh, near Council Bluffs. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Bonnie and Clyde, they were known to run through there. And uh, although the amount of riches is not known, legend has it the infamous duo left, it left a treasure trove of gold, silver, and gems near Drexter, or Dexter, excuse mm-hmm. me, Dexter during their infamous shootout in 1933. I had heard about, um, I did not hear about the Sioux City one, but I had heard about the Jesse James one. And then uh, the one... Since those were a little bit on the other side of the state, you know, I, I was way more familiar with stuff near the Mississippi. So Muscatine, Davenport, Buffalo, um, Iowa City area. That's kind of like where I grew up. So, you know, I way I concentrated on things, like I started in my general area. Um, the one story that uh, me and you were talking about previously was the uh, Buffalo, Iowa one. And so I'll just read it to you real quick. Um According to legend, roughly thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars in gold was taken during a train robbery that occurred just west of Davenport at Buffalo, directly along the Mississippi. The gold reportedly was buried in a three-acre lot off the railroad tracks and a highway close to a creek in that area. So, you know, when I start going through some of these processes, uh, when I read stories, I want to make sure that there's defining marks. So, like a creek, a river, a road, um, those are kind of good places to start, I think, because really, you know, you're not going to get a huge change from creeks and rivers. Um, the roads may change, but sometimes it's just the name. So, you can trace a lot of these things back in time. So, that was one that, you know, when I started reading, that really, really kind of like piqued my interest too. So, pretty cool. It sounds a little bit like uh, in the legal world when we're we're uh, getting the meets and bounds of a, a plot of land. Um, sometimes you're you're using landmarks um, that are written into the uh, into the property description, the yeah. legal description. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have things like, you know, twenty yards from the yeah. northwest corner of the mm-hmm. road. Or those whatever. are the details. Yeah. Those yeah. are the details you're looking for every time. You know, you want to have, and then you want to trace those details um, through other stories that you find. And so you're just building this nice little case file of hopefully somewhat concrete information. So did you ever, uh, when you were growing up or, or when you first got into this, did you uh, follow a story, yes. go out to try to metal detect, and then find, say, like a parking lot or a building or a No, I'm factory. usually, I'm actually pretty, so on the Buffalo one, I actually did look for that. It was uh, located, in my opinion, where I think it is, is on the cement factory that's located so you right did. off so, Highway so you, 22. Yes, I looked right. for it. Yeah, so I you went, went out, out there mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah. Uh, walking along metal detector and then bam, concrete factory. So here's what I did. Um, <laughs> I drove out and I kind of scoped the area out first. Uh, there's a nine foot 
fence. And so I tried my best to, you know, not trespass. Uh, but I did do some, a little bit of search in the area without getting uh, on their property. Without getting on their property. Yes, as correct. His, as his, mm-hmm. as his I follow the lawyer. laws. I follow the laws, John. Thank you. I have it documented also on my phone, just so you know. All right. So alleged, alleged trespass. No, just kidding. Just kidding. There was no trespass. No, not even an I allegation. stayed in my car. All right. So does that, do you think, uh, happen a lot? I mean, the, the fact is, Things are built on top of yep. sites yep. all the time. I think it's a lot of necessity depending on um, where the person is going, where they're running from, where they're going to. Um, but kind of going back to what we talked about, people didn't trust banks a whole lot. So the more activity I think you have in the area, the more potential there are for things to find. That's fascinating. So just, just conjecture. This mm-hmm. is just... You know, right now we're finding things, and I'm seeing news articles about, uh, you know, the European continent finding Roman hordes and, yes. and gold coins that are, you know, uncovered after, obviously, centuries. Yeah. Um, you think that the United States, a couple centuries from now, is going to be digging up treasures that were never found? I think that process will just continue. I think people will continue to unearth things, whether it's through... Somebody's doing some construction work. Um, some kids outside find something in a creek. I think it'll just continue. Um, I think part of where we're at is, you know, we're going to start learning more and more about our history. And I think each little piece, article, evidence um, starts building this nice picture. And that picture is a lost treasure. Yes. And it's going to be, you know, it could be something that, you know, really makes us question history. And I think that's great. Yeah, I think it helps inform who we are now. Yeah, and I think we need to know that. We need to know what happened in our past, no matter if it's 500 years ago or 5,000 years ago. We need to really continue to unearth those things and being accepting of those conclusions that we come to. You know, I will say uh, it's really important from my perspective that we understand it both from the good and the bad because I I think that we are going to find that – some not so great things happened in the past. Yes. Uh, you know, as we talked offline, we talked about, um, you know, some caves and some, some areas where, uh, you know, we might find folks who are deceased and, uh, remains of, of could be horrible things. But I think it's important that when we do find these lost treasures, good or bad, that we piece together the story and, yes. uh, that enriches the fabric of, of our understanding of history and uh, maybe, you know, enhances our future. Yep. And like you've, you know, said from day one, then me and you started talking, it's all about the story, right? You know, I know kind of where my conclusion is going to be in all this, and I know what's going to be happening down the road, but the story is amazing. And it's going to be something I think every person can hopefully, you know, kind of put themselves in my shoes at one time. Because I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, and it's kind of led me all to these things. Well, I I hope that the best conclusion happens for each and every one of our listeners and for you, Adam. And I'm going to be right here along for the journey. And uh, we hope you will join us next time on the Lost Treasures podcast when we have some updates from the hunt for the Eden Park uh, mystery, we'll call it right now. There you go. And uh, hopefully it's a lost treasure. And uh, we're going to bring you all along for the ride and uh, tune in very soon for our next episode with more information from Adam and me 
That's right, your audio engineer friend, John Scheel, on the Lost Treasures podcast. <laughs>